Welcome to the Indianola First podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Man, I love his presence. Love being in his presence with you guys. Just something special about that. When you're with family and you can just come into the presence of the Lord together. Just love that. Well, today is our last week in this series on unity. I'm not going to it, say it's the end of unity because hopefully it's the continuation of unity until Jesus comes back, right? Amen. And we've gone through the book of Ephesians, and I, I hope that you remember out of this series how important unity is as we aggressively, everybody say aggressively, aggressively pursue building his kingdom because I think that's how we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to be aggressively pursuing building his kingdom until he comes again. And unity is not only a thread that is weaved through the book of Ephesians. Unity is the key to success in our relationship with God, our relationship with one another, with our families, and even at work. And we must guard and defend that unity every single day. Unity is not about sameness. We talked about that. It's about agreement. Unity never compromises the truth. It brings different people with different backgrounds, giftings, talents, people with different points of view, even different ethnicities under the one and absolute truth of Jesus Christ and his word. That's what unity does. And the simple outline that we have used throughout the series is, is this. You can show, show the picture there. Um, the beginning of unity and the beginning of unity is, of course, unifying yourself with Christ, being unified, being one with Jesus himself. Your life source, your branch, the branch of your life, being plugged in to Jesus, the one true vine. And we talked a long time about that, being unified with Jesus, being one with him. And how important is it that we maintain that relationship with him to maintain that unity that we have with him? That's the beginning of all unity. Really, you can't have uh, a success in unity in the other parts of your life, the relationships in your life, if you don't first have unity with Jesus Christ. And then we have unity in the body of Christ. We went over that and, and all the, the things that, that we talked about that way. And, and if you want a, a, not just this outline, but if you want a, a, an, an exhaustive 25-week outline, I will, give you, I will make that available to you if you ask the office, just so you know. But uh, anyway, we talked about unity in the body of Christ. Unity in the family, we got into that. Husbands, wives, kids, and how those relationships should work and how unity is so important in, in keeping those those uh, relationships alive and well. And then we talked about unity at work just for one Sunday, but how many know it's, it's hard to go to work sometimes. I, I love the fact that Brad, I almost called you Pastor Brad, sorry. Brad is, a, is a leading the class regarding work as worship. I think that's, that's part of that, unity at work, bringing Jesus wherever you go. And then protecting unity. We've been on that for a couple weeks. Um, and uh, this week will be the last part of that. Um, We've talked about, as far as uh, protecting the unity, we've got into the armor of God, right? And we talked about the belt of truth that first week, and last week we talked about the breastplate of righteousness and the gospel shoes. How many have been wearing the gospel shoes this week? And that breastplate of righteousness. So the next scripture this morning is Ephesians 6.16, and we'll continue on. In addition to all these, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, and the gospel shoes, in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. So the shield of faith, the Roman soldier used this part of the armor to deflect arrows and spears, even to block the forceful swings of their enemy's sword. They put it in front of them, 
can, you can imagine that, right? They didn't just put the shield on their back. They put it in front of them. And that is what we are to do with our faith. When our faith is out in front of us, it blocks all those fiery arrows and spears before they can even get to us. And I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here, the devil hates your guts. He despises everything about you. He loathes you. He seeks only to kill and destroy you. That's all he's about, hating you. It's all he's about is trying to lay traps and manipulate and lie to you. He hates your guts. I can't put it any other way. And the reason why is because you are created in the image of God. And as beautiful as he was created, because he was created in a beautiful way, God made him a beautiful angel, Lucifer, and then he sinned, he pried it up because he was so good at music. If you're a musician, watch it. He pried it up with music and he was cast down. He, he came against God with, with a third of the, the angels of heaven. And I was, this isn't even in my notes, but I'm just giving you a little, a little something extra today, I guess. And, and so God cast him down and he was, he was changed into a hideous creature. You are created better, more beautiful, more wonderful than he ever was. And he hates your guts for it. Because when he sees you, it reminds him of God. It reminds you of God. You are created in his image, in his likeness. And I say all that because fiery darts and arrows and spears, they are coming at you all the time. All the time. And that shield of faith blocks them. It stops them before they can even get to you. The word faith there is from the Greek word, the original Greek word, uh, pistis, and it means possessing a strong conviction or assurance in the truth. I have a strong assurance in the truth. In fact, generally, it, it, it's such a strong insur- assurance, this, this word, that, that it brings you to the point of fervently trusting in that truth. That's what faith means. I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, I'm sure, and I'm going to say it here this morning, that fear is kind of the opposite of faith And I've given you this definition in the past. Fear is the belief that something you cannot see is going to happen. That's fear. Faith is believing that something you cannot see is going to happen. So fear and faith, even though they are opposites, you could really, by that definition, they have the same definition. Fear believes something bad is going to happen, and faith believes something awesome is about to happen. Believing in something that you cannot see, that it's about to happen. Fear, bad happened. Faith, good happened. Does that make sense to you this morning? When our faith, which is our strong conviction and assurance that God is absolutely for us, I want you to say this to your neighbor, God is for you. He is so for you, that's it. When our faith, which is our strong conviction and assurance that God is absolutely for us and not against us, we are putting that shield of faith out in front of us. That's how you 
practically, in a practical terms, that's how you do it. You stick your faith out in front of you by knowing that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that God loves you with an everlasting love and he wants good things for you. When we believe that something good that we cannot see yet is gonna happen because he's such an awesome God, that's putting the shield of faith out in front of us. And when we do that, the fiery arrows and the darts and the spears of the devil that seek to take us out, they're like heat-sinking missiles, right? They bounce off and are deflected away. Those arrows fall to the ground and they have no effect on us. I believe that when you put that shield of faith, that assurance out in front of you and you live there, you live behind it, Sometimes you won't even know when the devil's firing at you because they'll be knocked down before they even get to you. You you won't even be aware of it. And one day in heaven, we're gonna be like, whoa, that was a pretty big spear coming at me, I guess. And it didn't even, I didn't even know it was thrown at me. Understand, even when we go through difficult times in this life, when it seems that we've been overlooked by God. Anybody ever feel that way? We feel that way sometimes because of our situation and circumstances. We, we get to that point where, God, where are you? The shield of faith continues to believe that God is for us and not against us. So even in those dark moments, in those trying times, in those tough situations, in those times of sorrow and grief even, bolster up the courage Let it build up within you as you spend time in his presence that overwhelming assurance that God is still for you. Even when you don't feel it. Your feelings are probably valid and justified, but that doesn't mean that God is not for you. The shield of faith believes that he works all things together for good. The shield of faith believes that he truly does exchange beauty for all the ashes that you give him. Sometimes I think this message of the shield of faith is if we have the shield of faith, nothing bad will ever happen to us on this earth. Well, that's not necessarily what the word of God says here. The shield of faith is our assurance. It's putting it out there in front of us that God is good and he's for us. And all that he is is true. All that he says he is is true. All that he says we are is true. Uh, It's just, it's putting it out there and it's living behind it. You know, that's very different than some Christians I know who play this game. I I like to call it secret agent Christian man or woman. It's like the guy who... uh, who was like working with his buddy for 20 years at the same factory and suddenly found out that uh, his buddy was a Christian and had been for all those years and neither one of them knew it because they never talked about Jesus at work. Putting it out in front of you says, this is who I am. I don't care who knows. Do you know that that changes your life a little bit? Do you know that sometimes people look at you different and judge you if you wear your faith out? And I'm not talking about shoving it down people's throat and hitting people with a shield. I'm just saying standing behind your shield of faith and letting it be known. This is who I am. It's hard. Do you know that you could go to your family reunion, some of you, if your family doesn't know the Lord, that that could be hard? Because it'd be like, what's up with you? Do you think you're better than us? You could go to work and you're wearing that shield of faith out front. They say, who do you think you are? You're not perfect. 
Not say, you didn't say you were. How many know none of us are perfect? We're just forgiven. Not by what we did, but because of what he did. <laughs> Putting on the shield of faith is not declaring that you will cease to experience anything bad ever happening to you as you go through this life. Because when it does, your faith, if, if that's your idea of the shield of faith, that nothing bad will ever happen to you, then when something does come off the rails or something does go bad or you are, you go through grief or sorrow or pain, your, your faith's gonna be rocked to the core. I think there's Christians who bit the lie that if I live for Jesus, nothing bad will ever happen to me. Folks, we live in this world. It's a sinful world with free will. And this guy over here, if he uses his free will to hurt me, yes, there's protection, but I, I mean, he's got free will. Putting on the shield of faith, putting it out in front of you and standing behind it, that's having the eternal perspective to see that this life is but a vapor, that there's a perfect place beyond this. That, that is, is being prepared for those that love him. And heaven is forever. That life is more real than this life. That place is more our home than this place. So when bad things happen, you say, oh, well, just wait. It's gonna get good. Do you realize that for the Christian, it only gets better? For the Christian, this is the only hell we'll ever have to endure. For the non-Christian, the person who doesn't serve Jesus Christ, who hasn't accepted him into their life, they have no relationship with him, this is heaven for them. And they only... Things for them will only get worse. Truly, church, when your citizenship is here, when your heart is here, when you start living your life here on earth for the benefit of your eternity and not just for the vapor of a life that we have here, I'm, I'm telling you, nothing can rock your faith. That anchors you. The faith that we have, that assurance that God is preparing a place for us that's better than this place ever could be, I mean, it just, it stabilizes everything in your life. And yes, you'll feel sadness and loss from time to time while on this earth, but truly we are only passing through. This place is not our home, and when you stand behind that, that kind of faith, that shield of faith, if you're shield to, to, to all the devil's lying and just deceptive darts, when you're standing behind there, it, it's a safe place to be. And let me put it this way. The shield of faith doesn't keep you from suffering in this life. It puts suffering in the right perspective. And the truth of the matter is God does protect us. And he does keep us from harmful things as we live this life for him. And there's a balance that we must strive to live for. Paul was protected from the bite of a snake on the island of Malta, if you remember that, which led, he got bit. Oh, I, well, I thought no bad things were happening as Christians. He was, he was a man of God. I mean, he was an awesome man of God. He wrote over half the New Testament. How in the world could something bad happen to him? When he was on the island of Malta, he got bit by that snake, right? And what happened? Nothing. He was taken care of, which led to all the islanders who were sick being healed, by the way, and many of them coming to Jesus. And Paul himself was never healed of, of a thorn in his flesh. He talked about that. He, he, he was also put to death by Nero. Nero had him beheaded. I think that's a bad thing happening to a Christian brother. He lost his head. Are we to believe that nothing bad will ever happen to believers? Are, are, are we to believe that God is obtuse about our struggles? Either one of those, the answer is no. 
The shield of faith out in front of us says, my faith in God and who he is and all that he says he will do, he will do. The circumstances don't matter. The temporary results on this earth don't matter. We, he will have the final word. He gets the final word. The shield of faith. I think it's interesting about the shield. The Romans, it was made out of leather, actually. At least some, some uh, historians believe that. He, he was made out of leather. leather and if, that was, if that's true, um, this is also true. They, they talked about um, how the, they had to take care of that shield of faith every single day. Kind of like taking care of your relationship with God every single day. He talked about having to take oil and rubbing that shield down so it wouldn't become brittle because when it got whacked with a sword, I mean, it would, it would, if it was brittle, it would bust. It would crack. It would be of no use. But oiling that thing down, keeping it pliable just a little bit, keeping it, keeping it in great condition. And, you know, whenever you talk, see the oil talked about, there, there's a connection with the Holy Spirit, Right? So we need to be connected with the Holy Spirit every single day, relationship with God every single day, keeping our shields oiled up, ready to go. Ephesians 6, 17a, put on salvation as your helmet. The Roman soldier's helmet protected his head from the enemy's attacks. In the same way, the understanding of what our salvation is and all that it includes Understanding our salvation, that will protect our minds from the devil's attacks. Joyce Meyer so eloquently put it when she titled her book, Battlefield of the Mind. And if you haven't read that book, it, it was a download from God right into her heart. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. Our mind is a battlefield, and it is the devil's favorite place to attack. Why do you think that is? Well, Rick Renner says this in his book, Spiritual Weapons. Satan knows that your mind is the control center for your life. He knows that if he can seize control of your thought life, he can then begin to extend his influence to other areas. This is so closely related to what we talked about last week in reference to the breastplate of righteousness and all these pieces of armor. They so intricately interconnect knowledge and belief that we are righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ is held, that knowledge is held within our minds, within our heads, right? The knowledge of our salvation protects our minds from vain imaginations as well as emotional roller coaster rides. Anybody ever been on an emotional roller coaster ride? Am I the only one who has gone on some of those? I don't like roller coasters and I certainly don't like emotional roller coasters. Amen. Amen. And this is so close, I mean, this is, this is, um, this points to what Jesus said, that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Knowing the truth of your salvation will set you free from the devil's tax on your mind. And when I'm, and I'm, saying, when I'm talking about knowing your salvation, knowing what that is, it's knowing what God has really done for you and who he says you are now. You know, I hear the phrase all the time, we gotta know who we are in Christ. And that is true. We absolutely need to know who we are. But you know what? You can teach on that all day long, but until someone gets in the word themselves and it's revealed to them, it's tough. It's tough to break through that. You gotta spend time with God so he can soften those things. He can speak those, he can speak those things into your life. Who does Jesus say you are? He says a lot about that in the word. You are more than conquerors. 
Yeah, we can, we can, we can, what I'm saying is you can recite all those things, right? And we can go, amen, 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 and never know what they really mean. You gotta take time and meditate on that stuff. What does it mean that I'm more than a conqueror? What does that really mean? What's involved with my salvation? What did the blood of Jesus Christ really purchase? How pure was his blood? Just sitting and meditating on some of that stuff in prayer, in his presence, as you read his word, as you worship, I mean, it, it, it'll blow your mind, and all of a sudden, things will begin to make sense. See, some, sometimes I think, in the evangelical church, we, we, we call people to a decision, a point of salvation, and they pray the prayer, and then we're, we're like, all done, praise God, you're going to heaven, next please. That is a commitment. When you give your life to Christ, that's a lifetime commitment of diving into his word, fully knowing, I'll tell you, you'll never get to the bottom of the truth of it all. But to not do it at all, was the decision you made really real? I'm not trying to be con condemning today. But that's not a, 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 a real decision for Christ. You want to know him more. You want to know him in a deeper way all the time. You want to spend time with him. You won't want to leave. I think we had a moment like that this morning. We just didn't want to stop. We didn't want to leave his presence. I don't think we have yet. We just shifted. But you'll have moments like that where you just can't get enough of God. Have you ever been reading the word and you're just in your, your kind of, and your, something catches you, you, like catches your attention and then you just start reading and reading and reading and reading and reading and reading and you can't stop? And then you're like, Where's this scripture? Where's it? And if you've got a good study Bible, it'll help you. We've got to know what it means to be saved. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth shall, shall set you free. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's what saved people do. If you are saved this morning, say, yep. yep. All right, so you're saved. That salvation is your helmet of protection against this bombardment of thoughts. Knowledge of who he is. Our salvation in Christ, it's a helmet of protection for our mind. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. As we continue to learn about who we are in Christ and that we have been saved from, what all that we have been saved from, our salvation will become more and more of a helmet that protects our thoughts and our minds. If you struggle up here, and I think every one of us does, but if you struggle up here to a place where it's just out of control sometimes, Dive into the word of God. Spend time with Jesus. Our minds are literally renewed from our old way of thinking. Insecurity, how many have ever struggled with insecurity? Come on, raise them up. If you have, raise them up. We all have. Some of us are too insecure to admit it. If you struggle with it, I understand you probably went through some things in your past that are contributing to those insecure thoughts. It might be through those difficult experiences in your past. Uh, 
that, that you've allowed the enemy to get a foothold in your thought life that is holding you back from the freedom that Christ has for you. And let, let me give you some good news today. We have the ultimate security plan in Jesus Christ. We are, and listen to what I'm saying here, eternally secure as we keep living for him. Anxiety? I know a lot of people struggle with that. I have too, at times. Anxiety, it's, it's an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, fear or dread, and extreme uneasiness. It can result in physical symptoms like increased blood pressure, sweating, trembling, dizziness, or rapid heartbeat. Anxiety disorders can occur for a number of reasons, and there are multiple treatments and techniques that can be used to overcome those intrusive, anxious thoughts. So if you struggle with anxiety at times, here's some really good news for you. Understanding your salvation and who God is and who he says that you are and all the truth that is included regarding your salvation, knowing that and understanding all of it as much as possible, diving into it every single day to learn more and more and more about it, that can only help you in overcoming anxiety. I'm not saying the other stuff doesn't help, it can, and you need to attack it from every uh, place that you can attack something like that, especially if you're struggling with or you've been diagnosed with some kind of disorder in that area. But learning more and diving deeper into your salvation and what that means, that can only help. It's only going to bring you help and relief. We are saved. And it's a good thing to keep reminding ourselves of what that means. I'm saved. I'm saved. Oh, I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm saved. All day long, I have the salvation through Jesus Christ. I'm saved. I'm saved. Some of you need to say that more every single day. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'll never do that again, I'm sorry. But I'm saved. We're saved, church. I mean, when things are going bad, when the attacks are coming in, like machine gun bullets hitting your head and your mind's just spinning and spinning and spinning and you can't just say, I'm saved! Yeah, that's what you gotta do. I mean, just get on top of it. I don't care if you gotta shout. I don't care if you gotta sing. I don't care if you gotta go running. And every step, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. Let the salvation that you possess, that you have through the blood of Jesus Christ, let that be your helmet of protection from all that garbage. Man, the devil likes to play with our minds. Well, today, for you, all of you and for me, it stops, right? Whoops, there goes all my notes. There it goes. You know what I did today? I numbered my pages and I never do that. God loves me. Because I'm saved, yeah. He just saved me again right there. 
Our dad is tougher than any lion demon's dad or leader. Our father's all-powerful, all-knowing, and he's everywhere all the time. We are saved in and through him. And when we hear, when we wear that salvation around our head, our mind and our emotions, folks, our mental health is protected by that. We can protect ourselves, but that's a daily decision. Ephesians 6, 17b, the second part of that verse says, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God. The sword of the Roman soldier was his primary offensive weapon. It is no different for the Christian who chooses to wear the armor of God. Your sword, which is the word of God, or the Bible, is your primary offensive weapon, and it is a wonderful defensive weapon as well. Jesus himself used the word as a weapon when he was tempted by Satan in the desert. You take up the sword of the Spirit as part of your Christian armor when you read the book. We've been talking about that already. Study the book, memorize the book, meditate on the book, listening to good preaching and teaching on the book, understand how to properly interpret and not take it out of context. Let the word of God be your lifeline and your source. It's spiritual nourishment as a Christian. You can't live without the word of God as a Christian. Blow the dust off that book and read it. Right? If you don't understand it, do what it takes to understand it. Sign up for growth groups. Pastor Jared's working hard to make sure that we are not a church that's biblically illiterate. And you know, there's a pandemic in the Christian church, especially in America, that the Christians in America are biblically illiterate. My question is, are they Christians then? I'm not making a judgment call there, I'm just asking the question. Sign up for growth groups, get in a good... Get, get, get a good study Bible, Life in the Spirit study Bible, Full Life study Bible, Fire Bible. They all have great, actually the same study notes. They're wonderful. Listen to the daily audio Bible while, while you work out or while you drive to work. There's so many ways you can be filled with the Word of God. You've got to fill yourself with it every single day as much as possible. So when the devil attacks you, guess what comes out of you? I keep getting hit by the devil. I'm not making fun of anybody who's ever cried. But what comes out of you when you're filled with the word of God? The word of God. You just put it right back in his face like a sword swinging. You gonna come at me? I'm gonna come at you. I got the word of God as my sword. Nothing worse for the devil than a Bible-quoting Christian. The truth is that the devil can't stand Christians who know and use the word. He's powerless against them. So the, the, the question comes up, why have so many Christians neglected their swords in reference to the armor of God? I mean, to know the word is to know Jesus. I, I had a, a, a thing happen this, this last week. Uh, you know it's election season, and on Friday, um, 
the Vivek Ram Ramaswamy, is that how you say his name? His campaign held a, a pretty successful event in our Fireside Bistro, and he's a great communicator, and I happened to like a lot of what he said, and I had a chance to just catch him before he jumped on the bus, talk with him privately just for a second in the parking lot, and uh, I asked him about his Hindu faith, and he said that he had a lot of Christian friends, and that he's read through the Bible more than once, and he studied it he realized right away in his years of searching that, that he had studied the Bible a lot more than his Christian friends had. And ultimately, he chose to follow the faith of his family. And I'm not making a political statement this morning here. I, I just thought, how sad a powerful, gifted man with big dreams and a passion for this country was not challenged by his friends who were Christians in those years that he was seeking out what faith to follow. He wasn't challenged by them because they didn't know the word, at least as well as he did. That's a missed opportunity in my book. If you long to see revival, it starts right here with us. It starts with those who profess Christ, digging into his word and understanding it. You don't wield the sword of the spirit by swinging your Bible around. You wield it by filling yourself up with its truth so that you are ready at any moment to let that truth pour out of you. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The word of God does that. The sword, your sword of the spirit, judges the motive of the heart. Wow, don't we need that? in our day-to-day -day dealings? What's my motive, God? What's my motive? Is my motive right? Is my motive proper? Is it, is it, is it right? You know, this has been a series on unity through the book of Ephesians. So, so what, what do these pieces of armor have to do with unity? And as I've pointed out, the the whole sec this whole section of scripture about the armor of God starts out with Paul saying, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of darkness. Our battle is not against people, church. It's against the devil and all of his lackeys. I like calling the devil, devil's uh, demons. I, ca I like calling them his lackeys. I don't know why. It just makes me smile. The shield of faith, in reference to unity, guards and defends that unity or oneness that we have with God and that we have with one another because when our faith is out in front of us, it knocks down the fiery attacks of the evil one. And just think about it, how many of those attacks seek to destroy your relationship with God, your oneness, your unity with him? Just think about it, how many of those attacks seek to destroy our relationships with one another, with your spouse, with your family, with each other in a church? His attacks are almost always directly or indirectly focused on our relationships, whether they're with God or whether they're with each other in our families or whatever. They're almost always that way. I, I was trying to think of an attack that, that didn't mess with relationship, didn't mess with unity. It's hard to come up with one when you go deeper and deeper into it. Like, yeah, that wrecks unity. The helmet of salvation, it's so obvious how this relates to unity. If we aren't thinking right, if we are allowing those intrusive thoughts and vain imaginations to dictate to us how we will act and feel towards God and towards one another, then unity can be so easily lost. 
Even if we become self-consumed with our own thoughts, it will keep us from unity in our relationships. The helmet of salvation guards and defends that unity. It stops those things dead in their track. And the sword of the Spirit, what an amazing weapon we have in the Word of God. It not only defends as it blocks the devil, it's our greatest offensive weapon in winning people to Christ and solving disputes within our relationships. Unity is protected in our relationships when we let the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, be our guide, when we let it rule us when it helps us get through those squabbles that sometimes we have. Unity is defended and even built up when we use the word of God, the sword of the spirit, to encourage and reconcile differences that we have with one another. You know, if I have a fight with one of you, if we we get in a battle, we can sit down and talk, and the word of God, through us both being open to that, anything can get worked out. When we're open to the truth of the word of God ruling us, anything can get worked out between two brothers or two sisters or whoever. And he starts again with, we don't wrestle against people. And then he talks about something else. He doesn't really call it a weapon, although others have referred to it as the secret weapon of praying in the spirit. In Ephesians 6, 18, he says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't fight people. We fight principalities and rulers of darkness. Here's all the weapons. Put, on, put it all on. Put on the full armor of God. Oh, and by the way, pray for each other. Pray for believers everywhere. You know, something funny about praying for people You can't do it through clenched teeth. You can't do it while you're mad at them. God bless them. You get your heart right, and then you can pray for them. I mean, you talk about unity. He says, stay alert and persistent in your prayers for one another, for all believers everywhere. Nothing's going to iron out those little tiffs and issues that we have with one another, be it your marriage, be it one another, be it with your kids. Nothing will iron out those little issues, those little wrinkles in our relationship, like praying for one another. Paul finishes his letter to the Ephesians by asking them to pray for him. He wasn't outside of the need of prayer. Ephesians 6, 19 through 24, and this just finishes it out. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. He's tying it back to when he talked about adoption. Remember that? We're grafted into the vine. Verse 20, I am in chains now. So he's in prison while he's writing this. Still preaching this message as God's ambassador, God's representative, even in the prison. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Then he says, to bring you up to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I'm doing and how I'm getting along. He's a beloved brother and a faithful helper in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. 
Verse 23, peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. Love with faithfulness. What does that mean, give you love? Love for God, love for one another, love for your family, and love that's with added faithfulness, like dedication, like I'm gonna be faithful. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. What a letter. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.